You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Just don't ask anything about Russia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad I hit recording as soon as that started. Uh, we got a pretty cool roundtable here today. Uh, I got Tommy Sammons, Buck Johnson, and Reed. Um, real quick, I guess we'll give brief introductions. And uh, Tommy was bringing up scrapyards, but we can get to that in a second. So, uh, Tommy, go ahead, uh, give a brief introduction, and we'll toss it off to Buck and then Reed. Yeah, I'm just the redneck, long-haired truck driver fucking host of year zero with a bad mouth and a worse attitude (laughs) good enough (laughs) sounds good yeah (laughs) how do i follow that uh i have short hair and i (laughs) i live in the same state as tommy in texas here and i host the counterflow podcast i recently had long hair and now have short hair and i'm reed coverdale host of the naturalist capitalist and i am a truck driver like tommy but i haul machines that are heavier than his whole truck when it's fully loaded so (laughs) he's a better truck driver than i am (laughs) oh man there's this constant uh you've probably seen it there's this contest for who the best liberty trucker is and i don't really know who it is it kind of depends on the day but quincy quincy's the (laughs) best liberty trucker I'll give yeah, it to yeah, them. You know, I, I see as Quincy. long as it's not top lobster, I don't care who it is. So. <laughs> I, I see Quincy doing naked push-ups Hulk. all the time, so I have to give it to him. Hulk, I can start Hulk. doing those if you really want, but you might regret it after you've asked for it. So, <laughs> hauling, hauling trash does not count as being a truck driver. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could probably say that, and I'll probably piss somebody off, and I'm okay with that, but... Uh, the uh, guys who drive those big trucks at haul the uh, Fords and Dodges, well, they're probably, you know, they're driving scrap trucks. So, yeah, hauling scrap. Yeah, I guess you could say those guys are less than truckers. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I wanted to have these guys on today to kind of talk about the blue-collar um, gentlemen here in the Liberty Movement. 
Um, and I think you guys represent that pretty well, as do I. Well, the blue um, collar, just not the gentleman part. That's a little bit of a stretch. But. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I feel like the environment that we all grew up in kind of gives us a little bit more leeway and a little bit more social um, cues when we're out and about and kind of understanding the world as it is. Um, when I listen to some of the more popular podcasters um, talk about the base, you know, like the uh, right wing base, I feel like they're a little bit disconnected because they haven't had as much skin in the game per se. Whereas, you know, I've been a mechanic for 10 years. Tommy had been trucking, you know, probably long before I was born. Um, Buck's been a firefighter and Reed, you've been trucking for a few years. Um, I feel like we have a little bit more of a understanding about where some people are at just because we're kind of regular guys like everybody else. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, everybody kind of give a little take on how you feel and how you kind of interact with people and where you see people, where they're at politically um, in your uh, kind of job. So I know it's a long question, but yeah. I'll, I mean, I guess I'll start. I mean, yeah. most people that I deal with on a regular basis are normies, mm -hmm. right? That, I mean, just what, what libertarians would call normies. They don't really keep track of much of anything. They, they see, you know, a little bit here and there and their opinions are based upon, especially here in Texas, their opinions are based upon pretty much, um, just traditional values. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really all they care about. They, they care about their family. They care about providing for their family. And that's it. Their whole life is revolving around their family. I wrote an article, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago where I was, where I was talking about how the left didn't understand the working class. And that's why they never could mobilize the working class. And, um, you know, that's, that's what caused them to turn on the working class and, and turn this into, um, you know, kind of a racial Marxism is because they could never, they, they could never communicate with the working class in any way that was meaningful to the working class because they thought the working class cared about equality and the working class only cares about their, they care about, see everybody that goes to work and works for a living is trying to get better, not trying to bring other people down. They're trying to lift themselves up. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that mentality going into like blue collar fields, you always think that you can learn a skill and start your own business at some point in time or become the best at this business. And, and be making, you know, good money, have high demand for your skill set. And that is in order to leave something to your family, leave something to your children. It has nothing to do with what your neighbor does or what some person across the country does. You don't care about that. All you're trying to do is better yourself. Right. And I definitely uh, resemble that as well, because I know every single day when I go punch in to uh, go turn wrenches and bust my knuckles up a little bit, I do learn things very, very often. And I see different things on different vehicles. And it's, uh, it's always kind of interesting to challenge yourself with new and uh, different technologies. And that's kind of what, uh, you know, we're, first, we're forced to immerse ourselves in every day. So, uh, Buck, you know, what's uh, your kind of everyday interaction like with the people that you work with? The people that I work well now, I'm like one of the older ones. So most of the, I'm a lieutenant and the people on my crew are all younger than me. Um, politically, we don't talk about much. Uh, honestly, they know what I, you know, the, about the podcast and I, they sometimes listen to it and they'll come to me like, Hey, what do you think about Biden saying this or that? Or what do you think about this or that? But it's kind of rare. Um, it's kind of an 
it's it's refreshing almost. I work every third day for 24 hours. And so to kind of get away from the world of politics, which I immerse myself in otherwise, and just like play cards and make, you know, we make calls, of course, uh, going on emergency calls and just have fun with one another. And honestly, politics rarely comes up. We have a TV, we have a big open room with the kitchen and the uh, living room, I guess you could say. And the TV ma mainly stays on Pandora uh, on some sort of music that I typically pick. Mm -hmm. And we, ne we never put it on the news. I, you know, I watch Tucker every night at my own house, but I won't put it on there to, you, if someone's not well-researched in, in, in that particular field, it's not really worth having a discussion about. And, and we care more about, it's like a family environment where we care more about talking and, and lifting each other up and laughing and talk about whatever calls we're making or whatever's going on in the fire department than we do about what Biden said or Kamala Harris said, or certainly like what libertarians think about this or that because those guys really couldn't care less about that so every third day for 24 hours it's a nice uh, getaway from this type of thing yeah wow yeah i can only imagine and yeah i know when i'm working sometimes it is fun to just kind of shoot the shit about work history and get off of like liberty twitter um like i was saying earlier i was at the lppa convention this weekend and uh it was nice to kind of get around like-minded people, but then again, it's also nice to just kind of chill out and talk about, you know, regular person shit and, <laughs> and realize that the entire world is at Liberty Twitter. Uh, so Reed, I guess the same question to you, what's your interaction with, uh, with a lot of your coworkers and, you know, is it kind of steeped in political bullshit or is it just kind of like, you know, regular people stuff? <laughs> well, with my job I have now, I don't interact with coworkers much anymore because uh, I'm on the road by myself. So now it's mostly just listening to people when I'm in different areas of the country. Um, and I try to ask people about current events without coming across as an autistic libertarian screecher. I'll just say, like, I, I, I introduced it as a joke the other day. I went to pick up um, a scraper and the batteries were dead because it had been really cold. So the batteries were junk. And they had to come replace the batteries. It took a couple hours. And the guy there was like, oh, I'm real sorry, man. This sucks. And this was last week. And I was like, hey, if World War III doesn't start, then it's hard to have a bad day, isn't it? And then he just went off about what an insane maniac Putin is and how we need to do everything we can to intervene and stop him from taking over the world or whatever. So that's kind of my interaction now, just all over the country, trying to hear what different people think. When I did have coworkers, you know, about two years ago, when I was working on power lines in New Hampshire, it was sort of similar to Buck. I'd have a crew and sometimes I was in charge of like six guys, usually just one guy, but sometimes a bunch of people. And I would never bring up politics. Um, I didn't have Twitter back then, but I had Facebook and I would just post all my political opinions to Facebook. So I was friends with most of my coworkers on Facebook, so they knew what I thought about everything. And if they wanted to ask me, hey, I saw your take on Iran, you know, and that seems kind of nuts. You really think that we shouldn't be worried about them getting a bomb or whatever. And I, I could have that conversation or if it was about not just politics, but if it was religious or anything, they could approach me and ask me, but I would never bring it up in front of them. I think that's really kind of distasteful unless it's already in the realm of that conversation, because you'll just repel people and make them want to have absolutely nothing to do with you but um 
working on power lines and then also roofing, what I found is when you're doing manual labor, you don't care what your coworkers' politics are because you just have to get the job done. And beyond politics, you don't even care if you hate your coworkers. Like if you're working with this asshole that you just absolutely despise, oh, well, you got to get the pole in and you got to get the wires strung and you got to get the job done on time. So, oh, well. So seeing these libertarians who hold beef for years over something someone said on Facebook, it's just so pathetic. It's like, who cares? I mean, we're supposed to be taking on the most important um, task of our lifetime, right? Like taking on the intelligence agencies and the foreign policy establishment and the big banks. And you care about what some dumbass said about you on Facebook three years ago. Like, give me a break. Like uh, the stuff that people were getting upset about when I was roofing was pretty extreme because you had a bunch of gangsters and people who had been in prison and all these crazy people who were put together on this roof, people from Somalia, Mexico, Taiwan, um, Burma, you know, just all over the place. And they were all put together and we just had to get this roof replaced. So we would do it. And we have all these different backgrounds, all these different religions, all these different political opinions, but didn't matter. Just had to get the job done. So I think that gives me like extra disdain for the pettiness in the Liberty movement. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I see that so often and especially on like Twitter and Twitter is kind of a new world to me because I joined Twitter back in like 2011, but I didn't use it for a while. And then I got off like 2017, but then I got back on recently. And it's just to see how people like talk to each other on Twitter I grew up, once again, working in automotive shops to get my balls busted day in, day out. So, you know, I got pretty thick skin. I got a lot of patience and I'm willing to talk to people about stuff. But like people just become unfucking hinged and talk so much shit to each other. And I feel like they would never do this in a face to face conversation. And I try to generally keep it in that kind of realm of discourse when I'm talking on Twitter. But uh, do you guys kind of think that if more people work jobs like ours, that they would probably do, you know, have a little bit more respect for one another uh tommy you guys start this one off too well i don't know man because i was i think it was uh i heard jordan peterson talking to somebody the other day about this and he was he was saying how how people are get so attached to their ideas and they go berserk if you challenge their ideas but it's not about it, it may not be necessarily about that necessary that idea particularly what what it may do though it may challenge or flip upside down uh, a really quintessential worldview so so your ideas and your beliefs attach to a bigger worldview and if you're if if something is quintessential to this worldview and that quintessential point gets challenged and it turns your world upside down imagine being like a 19 year old that finds out that your parents adopted you, right? Like everything is, it's all off whack now. Nothing's right. That's how these people kind of feel. So I think it's, it's the, um, the way that people attach themselves to these worldviews. That's the problem. They, they identify as a worldview, right? Mm -hmm. And I've never, I don't think I've ever done that. I've always said like a person is, you know, the, the combination of all their experiences throughout their life. They're not one opinion, one thought, their worst mistake, their best day. They're a combination of all these things. And sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's 
great and you know it, it's it's like my podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's uh one thing that i've heard eric july say a lot and he was one of the guys that kind of brought me more towards libertarianism is that the uh, same man is not equal to himself on a different day and i think that's absolutely true and i think that kind of speaks to what you were saying there um so uh i kind of forget the question i was just asking tommy but yeah um buck go ahead uh kind of touch on whatever we were talking about before <laughs> uh, well that was making me think too part of i I will say this, I got into libertarianism uh, in about 2000, which would have put me at about 23. Back then, as a non-leader, I I was blurting it out every shift, if whatever topic came up, oh, here's the libertarian position. And I did that for a long time. And and at the time, I had a, a, a lieutenant who was at least... I've apologized to him as an, as an older person, like, man, you put up with a lot of shit for me, but he was always willing to hear it. And then he would debate me on some stuff. He was kind of a generic conservative. And now maybe that's the difference is as the boss or a leader, I'm not there trying to uh, infiltrate the crew and make sure they think like I do outside of work. I want to make sure that they know what they're doing at work and they know what they're doing when they promote and then they're in charge of people. So I'm trying to develop them and and be kind of a a guide for them. So to interject, hey, uh, you know, sanctions on another country is just an act of war. What do you think about it? So I I try to stay away from stuff like that and not to sound too preachy to them. Um, I recently got into orthodoxy. I almost never bring that up. I've brought it up like twice because it was asked. Um, so I try to be a leader to them and make them better at their job rather than interject my own political and religious views and say, since I'm your boss, maybe you ought to consider how I think about these things outside of our work environment. Now, I think it's very important is to kind of give people the tools and the tool belt rather than try to tell them how to use them before they even have the tools. Um, I think that's what a good leader does. They teach other people to lead a little bit more efficiently so that way you can give more people a little bit more leeway so that way they can lead in their own right. And you can have more decentralized command and decentralized workplace where people are more autonomous than they you know, were once. Um, I keep forgetting the fucking question that I asked Tommy. Oh, no. It's all right. I can just build Discourse. off what he said. But yeah, no, no, that's good. Go ahead. I, I mean, I completely agree with everything Buck just said. And there were, you know, it depends on what type of relationship you have with each person. There was this one guy at the Powerline company that he loved to talk about religion. So when we were alone, that was all we would talk about. And it was great because he wanted to have that conversation and I wanted to have it. That's cool. But if you're preaching from a pedestal, people will hate you. And I think it's just kind of reading the room. Uh, Also what Buck said about getting the job done being the most important thing. I remember this time we were working storm, putting power lines back up and we were in the middle of the swamp and there were like, like five or six broken poles. And it's like two in the morning and we've got to set new poles all the way through this right of way. And one of my workers starts talking with the, utility that we're contracted out for he starts talking with one of those employees and he's talking about the i forget what it was it was something about the confederate flag and how stupid it is that people get upset about it and i was just like dude now is not the time (laughs) like let's (laughs) let's get this right away fixed and then you guys can argue about that if you want Mm -hmm. um but yeah absolutely the job 
comes first. Everything else is after that. Uh, but the original question I think was about discourse and whether yeah. or not people would talk tough to your face. Like, oh yeah, I think yeah. when it's a faceless account on Twitter and they're just they come at you talking shit. Like if somebody in real life did that to me, somebody just unprovoked came at me, I think I would react the same way I do on Twitter to them. I'd be like, fuck you, you know, like get out of here, you know, yeah. but that just doesn't happen. I mean, it's very rare if you actually, like, I mean, Buck or you or Tommy would have to do something really severe on Twitter for me to be like, get fucked, you know, cause you guys, <laughs> I know you and I have respect for you guys. But if you're just an anon account, just talking shit then yeah i don't know i'll just give it right back to you but i think you're right that people who are used to having repercussions to how they talk to their fellow workers like if you treat one of your fellow workers like shit and then you need him later on you're like ooh, that might have been a mistake so i think without that reality you just have people talk like they're 10 feet tall when they're not yeah it teaches you it teaches possible i answered the question i wanted you to ask and not what you asked I'm married, so it happens. Sometimes I just hear what I want to hear. It teaches you to understand differences and be able to appreciate them. And I can speak to my own. I've done this job. That's all I've ever done. So I don't know, I don't know any other jobs. But when you live with people every third day, uh, let's see. There's a person on my crew. There's two of them that are atheists. Fine with me. Uh, there's one. I, I I honestly don't know. There's one that leans left. I can say there's one that does, knows really nothing about politics. So I envy that guy. It's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go figure. It's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and there's one who's a vegetarian. So th there's all kinds. I do of, not envy that guy. There's all kinds of people, and I love them. And so it doesn't, it teaches you to understand that not every difference is that huge of a deal as it is on Twitter. And so I don't know that I'm not going to single anyone out in, in our circles, but if you, if you grow up in the ranks of being a professor, or if you only work in a singular environment where it's just you, and then it's easier to see everyone else as the other and attack them on on social media or whatever that's just a different world than i than i come from so even if someone were to come at me on you know when i had i don't know molyneux on my show and they're like oh my god you're a proud boy and stuff it doesn't really like bug me or bother me because it's like well i don't know you so mm -hmm. i it just kind of runs off off my back and i think that's part of it is i work with people that i have plenty of differences with and we never i never argue like Oh my God, you're pro-choice, you baby killer. It just mm -hmm. doesn't come up like that, like it would on a social media site. So when it does come up on the social media site, I just kind of let it roll off. Yeah. So um, being that you know we're all kind of blue collar guys, obviously we mostly work with like conservative or boomer con style people. Um, a lot of these people are for a lot of the wars and the foreign interventions in the Middle East, but it's like. I get really irritated with people who are so binary with things where, you know, oh, everybody who's a leftist is a bad person. I've worked with people who are pretty hardline left, like people who vote for Biden. I don't think they're bad people. I just think they have a different worldview and they maybe grew up differently and just have a different perspective on things. We could still have conversations about political stuff and it never gets heated. 
Um, you know, obviously you see political discourse on Twitter just turn to absolute shit shows. But, you know, same deal when it comes to like right wingers, um, or at least a lot of the people I work with, they're for a lot of the foreign interventions. But like, I'm not going to sit here and tell them they're piece of shit people because they want to go, you know, send people to die in war. We completely disagree on it, but they're just not informed. They don't sit down and read stuff like we would they're just not in that world and that's okay so i really get annoyed with people who just say well everybody who's a leftist is a bad person all these right wingers are terrible racist people it's like if you like interact with these people day to day they're just normal people trying to pay their bills trying to do a good job and they want to do something that they're proud of so that way you know they can pass on something to their children like if these aren't bad people they just think differently than you and they're not as steeped in the politics as you know we all are you know we have a little bit of a more skin in the game where we want to say okay we're principled we're educated on this so this is our opinion this is you know our take people just don't care and like um you know i think buck you were alluding to this a little bit earlier but it's kind of nice to take a break around these people and just not feel like you have to constantly have the intellectual guard up you know i don't talk about politics at work or at home really the only time i talk politics is when i do my podcast like or hmm. or with my dad like me and my dad will text back and forth, but my wife is not political and you know, Buck knows how great she is. You know, maybe we should all aspire to be like her. Mm. But she just, she just doesn't care. She's just like, okay. She's like, you'll let me know if something's bad enough. I need to know about. So when I told her, like, when I, whenever I've been I, telling her a lot of stuff the last couple of days, then probably <laughs> no, I, I don't, I really, I really don't. I just told her like, like today I went to the grocery store it was my day off. So I went to the grocery store. Right. So i come back with a 20 pound bag of rice and a bunch of dry beans and some extra gas. And I told her I, I bought this extra stuff because, you know, things are looking like shit, you know, yeah. she's like, okay. You know, and mm -hmm. it's like, she trusts me to make those decisions, right? Like when it comes to growing the plants or raising the chickens and she's like, that's your thing. You do that. Like, I don't mind that you're doing that because I know why you're doing it. I know you're doing this for a reason. And so I don't have to tell her, I don't have to justify all these actions, right? Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day about and i was talking to my wife about it the other day too about the books all the books i buy and i buy more books than i can read like i know i do but i i do it because i'm like one of these days the only nuance my grandchildren are ever going to experience is looking at the library that i have accumulated mm -hmm. that's the only nuance they'll ever see in their in informationally in their lives and so they'll read these books and they'll be like wow what was going on i didn't know anything about this stuff and mm -hmm. so i'm accumulating kind of an alternate history for them to look at and go oh and i have books like if you came and looked at my library i don't think you could tell what my ideology was i don't mm -hmm. i don't think you would be able i have stuff from from the left i have stuff from the right i have libertarians I have globalists, you know, new world order types. Mm -hmm. I, I got all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's because I find it all interesting. You know? Yeah, I think it's very important to expose yourself to uh, different ideas. And I think that's something that a lot of Liberty, Liberty Twitter could probably uh, use uh, to hark it back a little bit to something perhaps a little bit more personal to me. Um, my mom and dad split up when I was like five years old, right? And my dad had two more kids after, um, you know, my older brother and I. And their world is completely different than, um, you know, me and my older brothers, where I, I don't want to say ever we're like 
dirt broke poor, but we moved around a lot and life wasn't ideal. Their life isn't like that at all. And when my brother and I kind of spend time with them, there's a huge disconnect. But, um, you know, we're very grateful for our dad, my brother and I, because he's, you know, he's been a business owner for 20 years and he's really made his own name in the auto business kind of around here in Southwestern Pennsylvania. But, uh, you know, we really appreciate that. They don't seem to have like the same appreciation, but I always kind of look at it as like, why would they care? Like they have no reason to leave the comfort that they know right now. And, you know, even figure out anything that me or my brother had to go through. And I don't knock them for it. I just, you know, once again, they were raised differently and they had a, a different situation growing up. And, you know, if they're ever willing to talk about it, cool. But if not, then, you know, it's just different people have different experiences. And I think that, you know, it's a little bit more of a privilege for me to have my work background and that kind of background as well to kind of look at things from a different angle. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what it, I, I found something interesting the other day um we we still kind of do our agoras thing as well as our homesteading mm -hmm. and uh I, I'm, I'm still trying to get the energy up to go and register to vote buck i'll i'll, I'll do better i promise but because <laughs> um, i know i got to vote here locally especially after some of the stuff i found out here today but we can talk about that later if you want um, but he was, he was, uh, one of my, one of my guys that I rent a room to here, we have a lot of plants here close to us. And so we got a lot of, uh, mobile workers that'll come in and they'll work for a couple of weeks. And so we will rent a room out, you know, for, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week or whatever, you know? And so they have their own kind of like setup, and it's not staying in a hotel like they're usually doing. And one of the guys we were sitting here talking and we're talking about the, the, we're talking about Russia. We're talking about NATO. We're talking about what Russia's doing. And, and I was like, yeah, but if NATO had kept to their word from the get go and not moved one inch East, you wouldn't be looking at this situation. It would be a completely different situation in the world right now. And he goes, what makes you think that? I think Putin just wants to, uh, start the Soviet Union over again. I think he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union. I'm like, well, if you look at Putin's words, what Putin said was anybody who doesn't mourn the destruction of the Soviet Union doesn't have a heart, but anybody who thinks that you're going to rebuild the Soviet Union doesn't have a brain. So I don't think Putin is trying to rebuild the Soviet Union. It's like, you got to look at it like this. Let's say let's say Russia were the, the world power and they were to create a Slavic organization and they were to start occupying and militarizing South American countries and possibly put nukes in Cuba. Like that's never happened before. <laughs> How do you think the U S would, would at, react to that? Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be fucked up. And I was like, yeah, I was like, uh -huh. so you kind of got to put yourself in the other person's shoes sometimes. I'm not saying that everything that Putin's doing is okay, but at the same time, I can look at it and say, yeah, he's a, he's a dick, but he doesn't seem like near as big of a dick as the guys that have been pushing, militarizing Estonia and want our children to go die protecting Estonia. Nope. That's more of a threat to me, you know? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, I mean, 
I noticed how I changed, right? Like I used to be a neocon and I had experiences with the police when I first got my CDL uh, and that started changing my opinion on law enforcement and government in general. And then I also saw what a disaster OSHA and the utility companies were. So I started thinking, okay, if this is this much of a disaster, then why is the CIA or the FBI or the Pentagon run any better than this? And then what really struck me is I lived in Arizona for a while and then in Colorado, and I met a lot of Mexican immigrants. And I was pretty much of the opinion, like build the wall, kick every single one of them out. (laughs) And I just didn't understand the nuance of how different people had come here. And I remember I was working with this guy who'd been here 17 years and he came across the border when it was no big deal. Uh, but he hadn't gone through all the paperwork necessary. And now he was married to an American. He had kids going to school and he works every day. He had a social security number because he did, and he did pay taxes. And I was like, wait a second, do I really want ice to kick this guy's door in? and drag them across the border back to Mexico? No, of course I don't. So once it becomes personal, once you realize these are real people that we're talking about and that they have complex lives, everything isn't quite as black and white. So Buck was talking earlier about how it's easier to otherize people if you just have some sort of white collar job where you're just dealing with one aspect and you're not having to relate to people that are from somewhere else or have a different lifestyle than you do or whatever. Um, and I think that's very helpful now, like thinking about Russians, like it's, it's very easy to say like all these Russians support what Putin is doing. Um, and it, there, there's a little bit of that happening with the Ukrainians too. Like, yeah, we did support neo-Nazis to overthrow their government, but that doesn't mean everybody in Ukraine is a neo-Nazi and that they, deserve to die like this is a big deal that's happening now and you have innocent russians innocent ukrainians and there are people trying to get innocent americans involved and the message we really need is this is all a disaster this was caused by elitist governments and the innocent people are always going to pay the price yeah Um, like now your gas costs a lot more than it should You you have to start with people's personal problems like i remember when i was campaigning for tulsi in 2019 i went door to door and i was trying to tell people about the war in yemen and they just didn't care like no matter how horrible it was Mm -hmm. so then i would say all right you know all these taxes you pay do you know that a bunch of that money goes overseas to support radical islamist governments that you hate and that you know that actually connected and they'd be like whoa tell me more about that so if you can if you can relate to people's current suffering and then from there you could try to explain like, look, this is hurting other innocent people who have complex lives just like you do. It becomes a lot harder to categorize people as other, you know, instead of human. Um, and that's how it worked on me. And I've found that, you know, I, I told, cause I, I lived in Arizona and Colorado, then I moved back to New Hampshire and I was talking with some of my coworkers about, the immigrants that I met. And when they heard that, they're like, oh yeah, that is quite a bit different. I don't want to kick that guy out. Like maybe there's, this is more nuanced than I thought. So that's been my experience with that. Yeah. Real quick. And I'll toss it off the buck. Um, I worked with a dude at Nick Chevrolet and this was almost 10 years ago, but he's still there to this day. Um, 
I don't want to say it's Indonesia, but he has his green card, right? And he's married, has two kids, and this dude's worked for this dealership for 20 years. He's the nicest dude in the world. And I don't know if he ever got, you know, finished his citizenship process, but, um, you know, I really like this guy. He played in local bands and everybody knew him, everybody that interacted with him liked him. And, uh, you know, that kind of speaks to some of the people who think, well, you know, these people are just animals and we should just kick them out no matter what. Um, you know, when you meet some of these people, they're just regular old dudes just trying to live a you know life that's free to them. And when it comes to the Russia and Ukraine stuff, I do see a lot of my coworkers saying, oh, well, that's a corrupt country. So, you know, whatever. It's like, well, you know, once again, let's let's think about this is once again, global elitists who have gone and tampered around and, you know, now we're paying the price for it because, you know, you fucked around a leader who didn't want to be fucked around with. And all you got to do is put the shoe on the other foot and realize that if we were in that situation, we would be reacting a lot worse than he is. I'm not saying that he's right, that Putin's right in what he's doing, but you can kind of say, all right, well, you know, he kept saying, no, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And then, you know, you arm the shit out of them, you know, the last president who was a Russian asset, right? arm ukraine to the fucking teeth yeah, and then <laughs> you know th- then they start firing weapons over in his region and then all of a sudden when he says all right we'll fuck around and find out and they find out now we have to go invade but yeah that's kind of a long tangent to just you know it's kind of to what you were saying you kind of have to beat these people where they're at and say like hey you know if russia armed mexico and started pointing guns at texas how do you think we would feel mm-hmm Yes, that's what Ron Paul was is and was so good at is explaining it exactly in those terms. You know, he said it many times. What if China, uh, you know, put bases in Mexico and in the not in Mexico specifically, but in the Gulf of Mexico? How would we feel about that? You know, and he, it's just another instance of that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the uh, big appeals about Ron Paul too is that. Once again, he was the country doctor who birthed an entire generation around this local town. And this is something that I've thought about a lot, especially after being at the uh, convention this past weekend, is that we need to be leaders of our community. And we need to, once again, meet people where they're at and, you know, garner the trust of these people if we're ever going to expect to get elected. Um, I, I think some people have the wrong idea of, you know, getting elected. They think they can just sit and shit post on Twitter and, you know, <laughs> run around the town holding protests rather than just talking to people and speaking to their issues. Um, the episode that's going to air tomorrow, when um, the day after we're recording this, the uh, 8th, um, my buddy Mark is a uh, HVAC technician, and he had a little strategy where he had three different cards and he would go to the person's house, you know, let's say it's his Democrat, it was a blue card, and he would speak about, you know, criminal justice reform and stuff like that to Democrat voters. And then hmm. um, he had a red card, and he would go to Republicans' house to speak to them more about gun rights and lowering their taxes. Um, that's a way more effective way than just sitting here shit posting on Twitter or, like Reed said, campaigning on, you know, ending the war in Yemen. Just the average person doesn't care. They don't know. So how do you expect this person to ever vote for you if they don't give a shit about what you're saying? I think, at least for me, coming up uh, in libertarian circles, there were moments, <laughs> years, where I thought, I'm going to flex my knowledge on this normie, and then they're going to think, well, at least they know more than me, so maybe that's a direction I'd like to go. What a terrible, what a terrible uh, thought that that <laughs> was. But I used to think that, like, if I speak over their heads, they're going to be like, well, at least they must know what they're talking about and but they can't relate to it 
Mm-hmm. So that that's the problem. And in my 20s and early 30s, I thought, you know, I, I you feel like everyone around you doesn't read as much. And so screw them. I'm, you know, and it's just a terrible, terrible way to to go about the process. But nonetheless, I used to do it. And, you know, a lot of those times we always say, I'm not bitching at other people in the liberty movement. I'm bitching at the old me. And so th- th- and that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, I see it a lot with uh, typical libertarian discourse with normies is that, you know, you think you could just hang this over their head and basically show them your Ancapistan report card, but the average person just does not give a remote fuck about your 100% on your Ancapistan report card. You know what they feel? They feel the fact that they have to pay five bucks a fucking gallon for gas, right? People fucking feel that. Yep. People feel when they go to the grocery store and they can't afford to buy steak anymore. You know, you used to have a little nice steak dinner on the grill with, uh, you know, your wife or whatever. Well, now you can't do that. Now you have to opt in for ground beef patties, 80-20, which are still good. But it's like, hmm. you know, we're not enjoying the same quality of life. People want to hear about how that can be fixed. They don't want to hear about, you know, who's going to build the roads in Ancapistan. And I right. think that a lot of libertarians kind of let that, you know, hit them right in the face or go right over their head. I did it all the time. Like the drug war is evil. So we should legalize all drugs. And you're talking to other firefighters that are 55 years old that it doesn't click when you, when you just blanket it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to go back really quickly, a thought I had today about the rising gas prices. If they get so high, is that not just a new form of lockdown because we can't go anywhere? Just Mm -hmm. a thought. Anyway, I'm, I I'm saw gonna... someone else make that point too. This is the no, sanctions Reed, and the it's, gas it's price. It's my thought. Reed, I thought it first. <laughs> Intellectual property. <laughs> yeah, yeah someone I mean, else said that. Well, they said something like the the sanctions and the rise in gas prices are the new lockdowns. I saw someone, but you you can claim it if you want. I don't care. Um, All right, don't, don't tell Kinsella. It's I I, I I own this idea. <laughs> um. But yeah, the, the problem I've run into is, you know, that um, that saying, give a man a fish and he can eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he can feed himself for the rest of his life. That's really hard with libertarianism, because I agree, like, it's really hard to connect with someone on a intellectual level. But the problem is on a populist level you only win them in the moment or mm-hmm. issue by issue not even necessarily issue by issue like mm-hmm. i think right now we're seeing that you know i i sort of bought that trump made the right more anti-war but right now it's like yikes uh <laughs> tucker carlson <laughs> is the only mainstream guy who's anti-war right now mm-hmm. and i remember seeing this in 20 what was it 2019 and early 2020 um this was when they were first finding out that Trump had been spied on by the intelligence agencies and the intelligence agencies were the most evil thing on the planet. And then a couple of weeks later, we airstrike Soleimani and uh, Mike Pompeo and the intelligence agencies are telling us we had to do it because he was going to start a war and he'd killed thousands of Americans and the right just like gobbled it up. And I was like, wait a second, two weeks ago, these guys were, the enemy of the people and now you're believing everything that they say so that's something that i'm really struggling with like trying to connect with people on an emotional level but also bringing the philosophy with it because if it is just a, an emotional connection once you get to the next thing it's just gone 
Um, that's why I'm moving to New Hampshire. Cause I just like, I don't see any other way than trying to congregate with people who, <laughs> you know, think a certain way. Um, but I don't know what you guys think about that. Tommy? There's a um, Dale Carnegie. I think it was Dale Carnegie had a saying, and it's something that I've latched onto here the last year that people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so as much as I, I always considered my podcast to be kind of like a blue collar libertarian podcast, one of the things I try to incorporate into it is like a personalism, like something that it, I want, I want it to come across. I want, when you meet me in person, I want it to be exactly what you hear on the podcast. Mission accomplished. I can say that for a hundred percent. Good shit. Uh, I, th and that's that's always my goal it's like i want it to be like true blue like this is who i am this mm -hmm. is what i think this is what i believe and i'm still just a regular guy mm -hmm. and like you connect you connect at being a regular guy and then you can have those conversations you're not going to have a conversation with somebody who tells you to stay up till 2 30 in the morning reading get three hours of sleep and go get up and go to work. Right. right? Like that, those, you don't want to talk to those people. And mm -hmm. some libertarians believe that that's what people should be doing. Well, mm. so you just need to read more. Well, I don't, I, I got three fucking kids <laughs> yeah. and I work 60 hours a week. I, I don't have time to read, you know, that's why I listen to podcasts and watch the news. Mm. I don't have time to read, you know? And so that's, it's that it's that that feeling of of being in that position that I've, I it wasn't that long ago I didn't have time to read because I was raising kids and and working 60 70 80 hours a week it, it just or you know I was over the road and I was driving 11 hours a day and I couldn't keep my eyes open to read all I could do is I'd get off work and I'd walk my dog I'd have dinner i'd take a shower i'd go to sleep like that was all i had time to do so it it's about relating with the people like y'all keep saying where they're at but they have to know you care about where they're at mm. and you have to be able to relate from from a standpoint of compassion and uh and from from there then you can build that relationship in which they will eventually tell you oh you did say this a while back but if you don't build that relationship you're never going to get that response yeah there's a huge um thing i think missing is that people don't want to develop capital with people um, a lot of people just want to preach at them and once again like you said tell them to read more and expect them to eventually come to the same conclusion well maybe you could do that if you build up enough personal capital with these people that you have influence over them and then you can push them in your direction but um you know it's a beautiful saying that you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care you know, if you're just sitting here telling people to read Rothbard, read Mises, not Marx, <laughs> just the average person read does both. not care. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. Honestly. You know what's funny? And I'm an atheist now, but when I was a Christian, I did the tract handing out, you know, like going on the corner and just randomly meeting someone and giving them the gospel of John or whatever and saying, read this. And it also it always felt just real empty doing it that way. Versus if you build a relationship with somebody and then 
you'd tell them why your life was fulfilled, you know, like then you could actually witness to them and get them to read the Bible and be interested in what you had to say. And it's similar with libertarianism. Um, it's funny what you said, Tommy, about like, you have to show people you care. Um, when Putin invaded Ukraine, I had like 10 people call me on the phone and ask me what was going on. And those are people that I have relationships with who know I know a bit about this stuff. And that really meant a lot, you know, like I have actually created a sort of relationship where people want to know what I have to say because they know I know about this stuff. And I think a lot of libertarians want to be the televangelist, you know, who's just relating to thousands of people and bringing them over to the good word or whatever, where realistically, the most important changes you're going to make are on a personal level, where you actually have friendships and relationships with people. And then you can, you know, like I, when I want, I want people to think of me and think like, wow, Reed lives what he says, you know, he's financially responsible. He tells the truth, whatever. And I want that to be the window into libertarianism. Just like when I was a Christian, I wanted that to be the window into Christianity. Cause if you're just an asshole or you're misrepresenting the ideology, whatever it is, that is the takeaway people have from whatever ideology you represent. Like they think, oh, libertarian, I think Reed. So Reed had better be a good example for people to understand what libertarianism is, I guess. Fuck. Dang, that was, that was well put. Um, things that were going through my mind and maybe y'all's too, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more because there's people that I can think of that are libertarians. There's people that I can think of that are Christian, uh, that I see on Twitter that I know. And, and I think, man, I hope the public takeaway from that person isn't, that's what a libertarian acts like, or that's what a Christian tweets like or anything mm -hmm. like that. And, and sometimes it's people that I, I personally do respect, but I can see that uh, maybe a quote unquote normie coming to either one of those movements can be turned away quickly and go, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because if people are just slightly curious about a movement, oftentimes, and, and to their credit, they're skeptical and they should be uh, coming to it with skepticism. And then it just takes the littlest turnoff to go, okay, never mind, and pull back. That's not me. Mm -hmm. And so what Reed said, I couldn't agree more with because of that, uh, the nature of people in that way. Even if there's something else they're coming from that they realize they disagree with 90%, like even if they agree with like 98% of libertarianism and then they come across that one thing that turns them away, they'll go back to what they know, even though they know it's wrong. So exactly. Yeah. Well, to that point, when you see these libertarians and I spent some time with them this past weekend, um, blasting about sex work and that's their main focus. And you have someone more like me who considers themselves more socially conservative and, you know, lives a relatively decent life, works a blue collar job. Um, you know, when they see that dude, you know, screaming about sex work and the war in Yemen and how that's so terrible, but you haven't heard them say a word about lockdowns or vaccine mandates 
um, you know, if that's your first introduction to libertarianism, then you're going to be like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And it really wasn't until about the last two years um, when I started, you know, kind of hanging around more LP people that I kind of understood like, wow, no wonder so many people don't want anything to do with libertarianism because a lot of people have made it out to be a fucking joke. And really it took go back to Jordan Peterson, it's, you know, you really do have to kind of clean up your own room before you go trying to change the world because nobody's going to take you seriously. Um, so my goal with the podcast has really been, okay, well, let's get people at the ground level of the health stuff and see if we can get people to improve that way. And let's also talk about political stuff because I want everybody to be better as a result of, you know, me bringing a little bit more health to them, right? So if we can just make people you know, better people, better libertarians, then maybe we can get more people into libertarianism because they're not going to be so focused on ridiculous shit that nobody cares about. If you're more of a leader of your community and somebody that people respect, then people are more, you know, ripe to hear you out. Yeah, man. You know, it's, it's really hard sometimes because I think about the people I want to connect with and none of them are libertarians, <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah. like, I, like the, the, the people I, I've constructed my podcast around are not libertarians. That's that, that I don't even, I don't find most libertarians interesting and <laughs> you know, all the interesting ones are doing podcasts and then there's more. And, uh, because you're not a real libertarian, unless you have a podcast, <laughs> put that in your book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I don't even consider how to, to talk to libertarians anymore. I, I think that was a consideration maybe five years ago, but nowadays I don't even think about like what libertarians want to hear or want to mm -hmm. talk about. And even I'm at the Libertarian Institute and I'm just, that's not who I'm really focused on. I'm, I'm focused on the people that are beat down and, and getting shit on day in and day out. And they have no idea why mm -hmm. they just don't know. And those are the people I want to talk to, you know, mm -hmm. because they, they have some fight in them. Libertarians have a lot of uh are very smart people they have a lot of knowledge they absorb a lot but they're not most of them i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say every every one of them but most of them are not doers they're not out doing i um i i read i, I was i was telling a buddy of mine the other day he was like man you read a lot of stuff man that it, it feels like you're wasting a lot of time reading some of this stuff and i was like this this i, I read this stuff because it's fuel it's, it's fuel for me to act, right? Everybody has to find a motivating factor in their lives to get out and, and act in a specific way. I dump every ounce of my energy and my spare time and my money into my property. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I don't, I don't save money. I don't buy Bitcoin. I don't buy gold. I mean, I'm giving y'all my secrets right now. Mm. All of it goes into my property. Every you get free toilet paper, uh, though, or you did. So I, I used to. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still living off of free toilet paper. I, I probably got another That's the year. secret right there. Yeah, yeah. I probably have another year of free toilet paper. But uh, yeah, no. So like, yeah, everything goes into my property. Everything, and so I don't just talk about 
get out and and act and do. I mean, I saw, I was I've been planning on this even before I knew economics, before I understood economics. I was skeptical of four hundred one ks. I was skeptical of big banks. I wanted to get out of Houston. I wanted property so I could start farming and and have my own pro have my own food sources. This and the other. I instinctively, there was just something in me that was like, this is not right. This isn't going to last. I don't like this. Like there's something bad going on here. And so I got out as fast as I could, but I've been, I've been trying for years and it took me 10 years to get to a position where I could do it. And it wasn't without help. My parents helped me in, in getting situated, but it was a lot easier because it was their property that I was buying because they were moving. So I, 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 when I'm talking about these things, it's something I'm very passionate about. And it's something I, I, I'm living out every day. I'm, I'm day in and day out. I'm, I'm like, there's going to be food shortages, which is why I have 16 cartons of fucking eggs in my damn refrigerator right now. You know, it's like, right. I, I have a stocked pond. I'm, I have, I've been growing vegetables, you know, every year for a few years. I'm going to, this year I'm starting to, to seed my own vegetables and produce my own seeds. I'm starting to can my own vegetables and save them for other times in the year. So we're doing a lot of stuff. And I'm like, if we can get to a point where we're producing, maybe not, I don't know, 15% of our food source, you know, mm. then then we're in a better position than 95% of the people out there. And I would, I would, I would put myself in that position any day of the week, you know, like while everybody was talking about going out and buying nine millimeter ammunition, I was buying 30, 30 ammunition. Cause I'm like, I don't, if, if people, if 50 people raid my damn house, I'm not going to sit here with a nine millimeter and fight them all off. <laughs> right. But that, that, but Hey, I got, I got a thousand rounds of 30, 30. I can eat a thousand. Ready to go. For a thousand months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny that you said your show isn't centered around libertarians. And I just realized thinking off the top of my head, my most constant guests are Eric Jackman, Ryan Dawson, Dak Rouleau and none of those guys are part of the libertarian party. I mean, they've all like were Ron Paul supporters, but I don't think any of them, Ryan would probably call himself a libertarian, but Dak and Eric are much more just kind of like anti-war pro civil liberty types. And they're just interesting. And most of the interesting guests I've had on aren't part of the libertarian party either. And I remember when you had so Bishop on your show, um, he actually tweeted it out afterward and said, I think what's cool about Kyle is the least interesting thing about him is that he's a libertarian. And I think we should all strive for that, you know, like, I mean, whatever's interesting about your life, whatever you've accomplished, whatever stands out about you as far as your character goes, that's what you want everybody to think about. Because like I said earlier, they're relating libertarianism to you because that's how people think. They're not thinking beyond you. They're just thinking, oh, Reed is a libertarian. So it shouldn't be the most interesting thing about you. The 
the aspects of your life that are impressive and put you above the fray or what you want people to know about you. And then they'll associate libertarianism with being interesting or successful or right, you know, outstanding in any sort of way. Mm -hmm. I think I'm starting to think recently, maybe I've thought it without articulating it further along, or excuse me, further ago than recently, but is not identifying yourself by your political ideology. Like I'm not Buck the Liberty guy. And, and I think that is kind of what Reed's getting at. And that's what Tommy was getting at. If you have other defining characteristics, and I've, obviously that's what Tho was uh, talking about in respect to Kyle, being a libertarian is like something that has to do with your, yeah, when you talk politics or the, yeah, you can get into these issues, but that's not who you are instinctively. That's not what makes you wake up in the morning, hopefully. Right. I, I mean, I know there yeah. are people <laughs> like that, but yep. uh, it, I don't think that's any of us. And, and I, usually you can see why those people are like that. You could be like, oh, wow. Okay. I could see why libertarianism or the libertarian party is the most impressive thing about you. <laughs> yes, right. And because they wake up alone every morning. So that, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they have the pronouns in their bio. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, one thing that, and I'll probably piss a few people off with this, but I'm okay with that. Um, I cannot stand people who say Bitcoin fixes this for absolutely everything. I'm sorry. I, I think those people are the most insufferable people in the world. I put up a poll and it got surprisingly more votes than I thought it would. But um, I asked what like the best path forward for um, Liberty was either the uh, paleo GOP route or the LP libertarian route. And somebody literally just said neither Bitcoin. And I had to quote tweet it. I'm like, I cannot tell you how much I hate bitcoin maximalists like if you like bitcoin that's fine but like it, this kind of goes back to people who are just libertarians there's some people who are just bitcoiners and i can't stand this just one-dimensional kind of person because it's like okay well let's say we get to your your utopia then what yeah <laughs> then, then then who cares about you you're 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 nobody nobody cares about you they're also the ones that spam my Telegram group <laughs> constantly. Every fucking spam in my Telegram group is a Bitcoin person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so see, that's that's playing into our point. Like, when you think Bitcoin, don't you automatically think of those autistic retards in your spam spamming your Telegram? Like, yes. that's what you relate to Bitcoin. But I, I want to know what their solution is to whenever the government makes it illegal for these payment processors to process payments for Bitcoin. No, yeah, they're happen, starting to do that right now. I, I yeah, saw, no, yeah. Uh, in, what is it? In Canada, uh, they made Coinbase illegal. Yeah, they're doing that in Russia right now. I saw yep. a thing yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, as far as Bitcoin goes, though, like I, I, I find people are extremely divided and they're extremely extreme on their opinion as to whether it's the greatest thing ever gifted to mankind or it's an <laughs> absolute joke that will never make you any money. And I'm kind of in the middle, like. Yeah, I'm not. Thing. I'm not down on Bitcoin. I'm down on Bitcoin maximalist. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think you, you have is... to think about. You have to think about. They've been talking about regulating Bitcoin for for over a year now, but maybe two years now. You have to think about like when they start trying to make these payment processors like illegal when they start yeah. outlawing them or they they tax them out of this world they regulate them out of existence then what are you going to do you have to figure out another way well people will just start accepting bitcoin who are these people 
where can, I cannot go down this down to the store and pay with Bitcoin. I can okay if I use Uphold, right? Mm-hmm. If I use Uphold, then I can I can get a, a a debit card that links to my crypto accounts, and I can go pay with it. But what if they make Uphold illegal? Like, what are we like? We're talking about you're seriously threatening the lifeblood of the United States. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Peter Schiff is a gold maximalist. So like he, you know, some of the stuff he says about Bitcoin has already not been true. You know, like it'll never hit 50,000. Okay, right. it'll never hit 60,000. Like, I don't know, Bitcoin could hit a million. And <laughs> Peter Schiff could be right that it's a bubble, but it could be a 100 year bubble. You just mm-hmm. don't know. So right. like the people so divided and so extreme on this as if it's like the best thing in the world or a complete joke. It's like, no, you can make money off Bitcoin. If you bought Bitcoin in 2017 and sold it last year, you would make money on it. But yeah, then other people are like, oh, it's going to be the world reserve currency and be uncontrolled by the government and by the banks to be completely decentralized. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just think people are so religious about it and it's ridiculous right. <laughs> yeah I, I and that kind of annoys me as well as because i'm kind of in the middle too like okay well i see you use for bitcoin but you know are you seriously going to go tell your 65 year old grandmother or uncle hey you're going to pay a bitcoin and this could be your world reserve currency look at this <laughs> you show them a graph and it's like this and, yeah. and you, you you know you expect them to like understand anything about that once again, this is talking, you know, over people or being the televangelist. Right. Yeah. And that's my point. It's like you, I just, I just want them to address the fact. Uh, all I ask is just address the, the real facts that it's possible that the government takes distinct action and swift action. They had, they had Bank of America tracking down payments in Washington, D.C. on January 6th so mm-hmm. they could go around and arrest people that were in the area, may, like swiping their debit card, okay? So don't tell me that they they don't have any possible way of finding out if you've bought Bitcoin. And if you've bought Bitcoin, do you think that they won't freeze your bank accounts? Do they, you think they won't sanction you if they find it to be a national threat? or in their best interest to do it, yeah, they absolutely will. Now, on the other hand, here's something I look at, and, and maybe maybe y'all have an opinion on this because this is something I've been thinking about. Cody Wilson went all the way to the Supreme Court with his file sharing, right? And the Supreme Court basically ruled that code is speech. Well, isn't Bitcoin just code? <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, there's always that angle. So, yeah, but you're using the state, so you're a statist. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cody Wilson is the <laughs> biggest statist in the world. Yeah, I love that autistic response from like if you if you start talking about Israel, Palestine, or about what Russia is doing in response to NATO expansion, the autist anarchists come out and say, "Oh, so you're supporting." status policies suddenly and it's like okay we're explaining why this is happening in the real world yeah and then i think this is probably where a lot of the post-libertarianism stuff started rising because you would try to talk about how to go from where we are now 
to a more voluntary society. And a lot of these retards would just come out of the wood like, oh, you're trying to use the state when mm. that's often not the case. Like, you're just like, well, this is where we are now. And I'm trying to get us here. And, you know, I just see this vehicle available, whatever it is. And I don't know. Those people drive me nuts, though. Yeah. Buck, go ahead. I got something to add on there real quick. Um, but yeah, you go ahead first, Buck. Uh, no, I mean, Reed's right. You can't. It's not like Star Trek where we're in a statist world and you can just boom beam me up and we're in anarchy world there's there's (laughs) there's a bridge and a path to get from one point to the other and sometimes you have to use the tools that are given to you you know if 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 i could and i do know my local sheriff if i can affect change at that level and make sure that he's not going to enforce masks or confiscations of whatever uh fruit food land property in this area I couldn't really care less that he works technically for the government. He's, if he's going to protect this little town that I live in, that's fine with me. Yeah. So to kind of tail on there, um, when I first came out, I believe it was my second ep- episode with uh, Adam Nutter, but I kind of shot the shit with him about this whole police deal. Right. So you are so many libertarians autistically say, Oh, all police are bad people there because they're all enforcing bad rules. It's like, well, hold the fuck on for a second. Why don't, you know, we're not going to be in Capistan tomorrow. These people have been educated from the time they're kids and told they're serving and protecting, which I believe a majority of them sincerely believe they're doing that. Um, If we can convince these people to not enforce some of these rules while they're still working for the state, isn't that a benefit? So if you come at these people just saying, oh, well, you know, screw you, you work for the state, you're a terrible person, they're never going to listen to you and you're not going to be able to build any kind of capital off of that. So um, the one thing I've kind of said now for a while, and though was really solely responsible for changing my mind on this, I am 0% partisan on liberty, right? Whatever is the best vehicle to liberty and freedom, do that. If that's a GOP, if it's a Democrat party, if it's a Libertarian party, do that. Um, Here in Pennsylvania, we have elected mayors. Um, I was hanging out with one of them this past weekend. There's somebody who's in city council, just you know, literally a couple blocks over from me, right? So, I mean, these are legitimate libertarians who are elected to, you know, do whatever they're going to do in their positions. But if there's local GOP guys who seem like they're, you know, better and have a better chance of winning, by all means, I support them. I'm not blindly, you know, partisan to the Libertarian Party. I'm blindly partisan to liberty and mm. whatever's going to get us there. I don't believe that we're just going to evaporate the state tonight. You know, that'd be awesome, but we're not going to get there. That's just the reality of it. So I think we need to be strategic about who we support and how we get to where we want to go. We can't just say it's just the LP. It's just the GOP. It's just the Democrat Party. I think there's nuance and it just depends on your locale. So whichever way you see fit, do that. And you have my utmost support and respect for doing that. Yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of people would consider me an LP or bust kind of guy. I voted for Chris Sununu for governor of New Hampshire in 2018. I also voted Republican, I think, for Congress that year in my district in New Hampshire. I voted for Tulsi Gabbard in 2020 and then for Joe Jorgensen in the general election. I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like whatever uh, some people, it's so funny. Um, a lot of Tulsi Gabbard cultists hate me because I haven't remained loyal to her and always supported her and everything she's done. But I, I tell them, I'm like, look, I supported Rand Paul in 2016 and I supported her in 2020. And right now she's just not the closest thing to my values. So they said, Oh, you're an opportunist. And I was like, yes, yes, is what I am. <laughs> exactly. Correct. 
I am an opportunist and whoever has the best chance of getting my views anywhere within the public sphere is who I'm going to support. And I've become convinced that going back to New Hampshire and joining the Free State Project is the best thing I can do. But like with what Buck's doing, uh, I think that's a great idea in his local community to try to do that. And like you were talking in the Libertarian Party and then what uh, Tommy's doing, improving his own property. Like I think those are all great ways to go forward. And who am I to criticize, you know, what you're going to do in your own personal life? Um, And it does piss me off seeing everyone like I, I criticize the right wing in general and the left wing in general. But if people live like if you live in Hawaii and you're trying to get some sort of change, probably supporting a Democrat who's just not as bad as the other Democrats is the best way to go. Like Mm -hmm. the Mises caucus of Hawaii probably isn't going (laughs) to take off anytime soon. So, you know, in I I support I mean, I I criticize generalities and, um, you know, the idea that certain factions are getting better on certain things or whatever but in your hometown in your home state what just do whatever is going to make the most sense and if people from another area who have no idea what your life is like or what your situation is then just kind of disregard their opinion yeah can i uh, can i bring up a subject real quick yeah good okay so <clears throat> my mom sent me a video earlier <clears throat> excuse me my mom sent me a video earlier it was a um, a Glenn Beck segment and uh, I still keep up. I always say I keep up with Glenn Beck. I keep up with Kyle Kalinske. I, I watch people from all over the spectrum because I want to know what people are thinking, what they're saying, as we've been talking about a lot. And, and so I know how to address these, these subjects. And sometimes, you know, Jimmy Dore is hundred percent right. <laughs> so, and, and so, um, but they, they, he was, he was talking to, a guy from uh, a a representative from Mississippi and they're talking about this bill that's being, being viewed in the state legislatures of Mississippi, Arkansas, and Tennessee. It's called the tri-state compact bill. And basically what this bill would do is it backdoors the government process for eminent domain and hands it over to corporations so that a corporation can come through and and claim eminent domain on your property and and take your pro- and like basically force you to sell your property to them the only thing i saw reasonably hopeful is that okay so let's say cuz arkansas doesn't meet this year they don't meet until next year their state legislature so the bill passed the Senate in Mississippi and let's say it passes the house in Mississippi as well. And let, and then let's say it passes both the house and Senate in Tennessee in order for it to be considered due to the commerce clause of the United States constitution, it has to go to the U S Congress and be voted on. So it actually could be voted down by the U S Congress as unconstitutional due to the commerce clause which I'm no fan of the commerce clause. Right. But if it can be utilized for our benefit, then it can be. Um, But so it's something that I think that all of us should be looking at because this may not be just in this state. 
this is being pushed by BlackRock and it's being funded mm, by BlackRock. Yeah. And so I'm I'm concerned that it's not just these three states, that it could be popping up in other states. I've sent you some other stuff as well, Buck, about stuff like this. So um this is a these are the types of subjects that I kind of latch on to. You know, whenever I found out about ESG or yeah. you know, this uh tri-state compact bill, these are the types of things I start focusing on because I'm like Okay, yeah, everybody's concerned about the war in Russia. Everybody's concerned about vaccine mandates. What aren't we looking at? What is right. no one concerned about? Right. You know, that's happening. And these are the types of things I kind of grip grip into. And then a year or two later, other people start talking about it. And I'm like, yes, finally. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. But they, they, they just started this. It, this, this bill was written up February 18th and the Mississippi State Senate already voted on it and passed it. So this is something they're pushing very quickly. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's interesting. That's literally like about a week before this whole deal broke out. And honestly, I had no idea, never heard anything about this. And now, you know, they're literally basically giving corporations the right to roll people out of their property. Um, yeah, whatever the hell you got to do, if you got to run as a Democrat in either one of those or any three of those states or a Republican, I, I you know, th- there's going to be some autistic libertarian out there saying, we need a libertarian on the ballot. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah no, I, I could hear it already. Um, whatever you got to do to strike that shit down or be a voice against that fucking do that um there were some people that kind of gave me shit because i said i don't think the lp in new jersey should run anybody against ian smith the guy who defied lockdown orders in um new jersey dude's been on tucker carlson a whole bunch that of gym times. owner yeah the yeah, yeah. Gym owner. oh he's yeah. fucking awesome he's a yeah. ron paul guy and yeah. of course i had libertarians in the lp saying oh we should have a libertarian on every ballot well okay this guy's a ron paul guy if you line him up next to the best libertarian you know he would probably be indistinguishable if you looked at their, you know, and Capistan report cards, except for the dude like Trump a little bit more than me, which, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this dude's so likely to win because he's a legend in his community and he's, you know, all over national TV. Do you really want to run somebody against him? Even, you know, I think some of the spoiler talk is bullshit, but you know, what are we after here? Do you really Into- think you're going to win? And to speak, to bring this back to what it initially started as, to speak to blue-collar workers, you're talking about a gym owner that defied lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Who cares what party he's in? He speaks to blue-collar mentality and the anti-state authoritarianism. I wouldn't give a fuck if he was a Green Party guy. If you like what he says, don't be loyal to the party. Listen to what he's doing and listen to who he's speaking to and try to maybe uh, relate to that emotion and that's the kind of emotion hopefully that doesn't go away uh with with some of this populism because guys like that i mean that's big there's a salon owner in dallas fort worth area that's the same same kind of thing although she's probably not as as well educated as a ron paul person as that guy is but i mean when you're talking to common folk blue collar people that we all work with they would everyone I work with would think that that guy is cool. And if, and they, if they given the opportunity, they would vote for him. Um, and just for someone to come in and go, well, we should have this other party represented on the, on the ticket against him for what, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why cr- that's crazy. Buck, what I always tell them, and Buck can relate to this, what I always tell them, I'm like, have you ever seen the Libertarian Party of Texas fucking Twitter page? Oh, they were God. going to have Vouch. I'm not I'm not <laughs> driving I'm not driving six hours from my house to Austin to listen to a bunch of people that are just gonna piss me off. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean Another thing is, like, yeah, I'd love it if everybody were a libertarian, but they're not. We're divided right and left. So I actually want there to be some good right-wingers and some good left-wingers. So when you see Aaron Matei go on Tucker Carlson, that's, like, the most badass thing ever because, yeah, Tucker Carlson sucks on trade and he sucks on immigration and he sucks on a few things, but he's great on being anti-war. And he's great on being anti-intelligence agencies. And the same with Aaron Matei. Like Aaron Matei sucks on gun control probably. And he sucks on economics. But they're both great on the war with Russia that's looming. So mm-hmm. well, John, we want that? John, you know? Stewart is, John Stewart is talking about running for office. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm uh, like, that, that's a lefty. I could be like, go for it, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because <laughs> well, he's, yeah. he's good on some things and he's not a, a complete total condescending prick that thinks well, he's the not yeah he's not assholes. he's not insane right well <laughs> even people who suck on most things like bill maher when he says something disparaging lockdowns yeah that means so much more than the entire libertarian party saying something yes. about it because yeah. he's a mainstream liberal figure and if he says something right it's like holy shit there we go and i don't know why libertarians can't understand that but um like joe rogan and uh tucker carlson are the most important people in this country right now as far as having a voice goes honestly yeah 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 um so it's kind of funny when you see a lot of these libertarians and i think there's a facebook group for this too but they wanted to have a justin amash and tulsi gabbard ticket and i know dave smith has kind of hit on this before but uh just to kind of reiterate it here um you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to hand Tulsi Gabbard a whole stack of libertarian books and expect her to read all those and then come out as a Rothbardian tomorrow? Then who does she reach? She'll she'll make all of us look good, but then nobody's going to care to listen to her anymore because she has that libertarian moniker next to her name. But, you know, the fact that she's anti-war and she doesn't mm. talk to Carlson, it speaks to a lot of other people Then maybe she follows them towards us. But, you know, she gets the ideas out there or at least what she's good on out there for other people to get exposed to those ideas and once again if we're in there as fellow travelers hanging out with them then you know if you think that's your best route to kind of spread the message then i want you to do that if you think your best route is once again like i think mine is here in pennsylvania as part of the libertarian party do that i I, i'm not loyal to the party or the initial next to your name so when i hear people saying oh well we should run somebody against ian smith should have somebody in there i don't care once again, who's going to do better than that dude in his own home district? Um, I had some specific libertarian who I won't name, who I think is absolutely insufferable, saying, oh, he's not likely to win. Like, I don't know. Dude oh, was just yeah, on Tim- okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a libertarian kinda... taught me this. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not loyal to a party. I'm loyal to the ideas and I'm loyal to the principles. So, you know, if your best you know, a left winger who's shitty on quite a few things, but, you know, is able to just be less crazy in the woke left. If you think that's your best path to liberty and stopping the growth of the state and these tyrannical mandates and, or, you know, this potential for um, the corporations to whatever the hell the term was, I'm sorry, it's just slipped my mind right now. Um, 
if you think that's a good way to get rid of that, then by all means, support them, campaign for them, do something to, you know, advance liberty. Don't just sit here and scream and say it's violence to use the state. Hmm. Well, the thing is, I mean, this is a blue collar round table, so let's just be blue collar about this. Yeah. Have you seen Tulsi Gabbard? Nobody is voting for her because of our ideas. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be real. There were a lot of young dudes Re on that campaign. Rejoined Re yeah. that campaign because he wanted to date her. And AOC <laughs> is jealous. There's a lot of people standing. Say, that sounds like AOC right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember uh, after New Hampshire, you know, she came at seventh place, and so I was done with the campaign after that. And there are all these dudes in their 20s and early 30s who were gonna go around the country with her, and I was like, "What are you like?" She came in seventh place in the state. She spent 99 percent of her time, and they're like, "Oh, there's like." you know, so much potential for where it could go after here. And I was like, yeah, you're just hoping to get frisky in the hotel room with her, aren't you? That's what the goal is here. <laughs> yeah, there's about 0% chance. The, the thing Christ. with Tulsi is, uh, it's weird. Like, she, now, I feel like she can actually talk to conservatives more than liberals now. Like, the, yes. the left just absolutely reviles her. Everybody hates her. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the far left, the centrist left and the sort of right-wing left like everybody absolutely hates her like abby martin and that whole group all hate her all the shit libs hate her and all the regular democrats hate her so she's a weird she, she's kind of in a weird spot there where she can actually probably convince republicans to be better on stuff than she could democrats which like it kind of sucks seeing like Aaron Maté and uh, Glenn Greenwald, like they're only ever criticizing the Democrats. So people actually start thinking that they're right wingers because they're never like you, you kind of wish they would say more left wing shit sometimes. So people would remember like, oh, yeah, these are actually left wingers and it's OK to be against vaccine mandates if you're a left winger and it's OK to be against, you know, lockdowns if you're a left winger or whatever. But um. I don't know. It seems like with Tulsi, she's actually like going to become a Republican. It's been a weird thing it's, to watch. It seems like she's got plans. She was at CPAC. She spoke yeah. at CPAC. And I don't know if her plans involve becoming a, uh, a like a sh hosting her own show on Fox, possibly, or switching parties and running as, as something. But she's an interesting one. The only thing, and maybe you know this, Reed, I've been wanting to ask someone who knows more about her than me. Uh, my wife brought up this this picture of her that had something to do with the World Economic Forum, mm -hmm. where her and Dan uh, Crenshaw, Crenshaw were both on some kind of advisory board or something like that. Do you know anything about young, that? Young leaders of uh, yeah, they're uh, global the young global leaders. Okay, that's the same thing Trudeau was then. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she was also on the the Council for Foreign Relations, which is yes. another ugly organization, and I've heard her talk about that and i wasn't too concerned about that but i haven't really heard her explain the wef connection dan um, crenshaw has has made a statement about the the um young global leaders and he said this is a list of people that the wef puts out there and that they have no contact now i don't 
trust hmm. or believe the gay pirate. So, <laughs> right. You, I was gonna like, say, like, you tell you for what it's worth. That's Ron what Paul wasn't says. on that list. Rand Paul wasn't, you know, like yeah. Thomas Massey, but wasn't on that list. So that, right. that, it's, it's at least slightly concerning when I see stuff like that. Although I, I lean towards liking Tulsi. It was just something that made me raise a bit of a red flag. Like, what? yeah, you it yeah. makes you take pause. Yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan yeah. Crenshaw. I heard he couldn't see the full consequences of that action. That's actually true. Kyle. It's funny you brought up that <laughs> Facebook group. I think I was uh, I was part of that when that started. And what it was was, do you remember in 2020 there was that articles a unity thing that Brett Weinstein was putting together? Yeah, and they nominated. So the idea was, oh, these two options are such disasters. We need something that everyone can get behind. So it was Dan Crenshaw and mm -hmm. Tulsi Gabbard. And it was just like super cringe. And so after 2020's election, I was briefly like kind of iffy on the whole libertarian party thing. I was just like, this was such a joke. We didn't get anything done. We need to focus on like four issues, like bring the troops home and the war on drugs and the security state and i forget what the fourth one was but just came up with like four things yeah and the idea was if you could get someone like justin amash and tulsi gabbard together who do care about like those same core issues then you could like run them as a ticket and i would like then the mises caucus thing actually started taking off and i went more in that direction but the idea behind that was just trying to choose like things that people could care about and get behind but like at this point, I think if the Libertarian Party is going to exist, it should be more what Dave Smith and Scott Horton are talking about, where it is like a shining beacon and like a North Star you can point to. And you, you know, if you have a race where you can run someone in it because the other two options suck, either as a spoiler as or as to try to make the two other options better, that seems to be its only useful utility at this point. Um so I don't, that, that's where that came from, though. I just figured I'd talk about that because I was actually part of that thing. But. The, the Justin Amash, Tulsi Gabbard idea sounds like something Brett Weinstein cooked up for this whole idea of the Unitarian Party or whatever he was trying to put together. Yeah. yeah. I, well, and, and, and the crazy thing was, was he put together this idea for a party that combined both parties and he got kicked off of Twitter for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah like, I, wow. You need that division really bad, don't you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's we, still like this patriotic part of me that exists that's like, wow, what if Tulsi did become a Republican and then Rand Paul somehow became the nominee through his sticking it to Fauci all this time. And then it's Rand Paul and Tulsi Gabbard <laughs> together on the ticket. And wouldn't that be awesome? And we could save America. Like there's still like a little bit of a sentimental part of me that thinks that way, but I've mostly kind of given up on it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I think uh, if not for Trump, Twitter probably would have went out of business because I remember when I got off of Twitter in like 2017, I remember hearing, oh, their stock's down, you know, they're losing users all the time. And then, like, when I came back on Twitter, I'm like, holy fuck, this is like a whole other world again. Because, like I said, when I left, there was, like, nobody on there. And then all of a sudden, everybody's going on Twitter. You've seen everybody sharing screenshots off Twitter. And now it's just a complete total cesspool. But, I mean, it's a good place to kind of spread your message and, you know, kind of get the shit out there. But definitely not a good medium to engage on. 
Yeah, speaking of that, um, this is actually when I really, I mean, Justin Amash's take on impeachment and Russiagate and all that was already baffling, but I was still kind of on board with him, especially after he ran or was going to run. I was kind of excited about it, but January 6th is what ruined him for me, like forever. Okay, <laughs> I mean, okay. Just... I actually did not hear his take on that. So, oh, it's terrible. Can you I mean, guess? <laughs> yeah, it was so awful. I'm man. so disappointed. You ever watch CNN? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, He's somewhere just... in the long in the realm with Don Lemon and, and Cuomo. Yeah. I mean, and he man. still says some good stuff occasionally, but after that, like, I was just like, nah, there, there's no. I mean, he's kind of the quintessential example of being an irrelevant libertarian. Like he doesn't, he doesn't try to resonate with the people who would listen to what he has to say. Right. Like he goes on MSNBC and he's friends with all the wrong people. And he does say the right stuff a lot of the time. Like you see his tweets on COVID mm -hmm. uh, restrictions and war. It's all amazing. Like it's a hundred percent right on but he's just alienated everybody who would care about that message. So he's, I don't he's know. Cato's Manchurian. Candidate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What I was about to say. Yeah. It's so sad because I've really looked up to him for a long time. And then like his take on impeachment, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> like, eh. and then like, he's actually kind of funny on Twitter because people like throw something in his face. Like, Oh, well, where were you when Republicans were spending like crazy? And he'll literally just do like this entire receipts list of all these different tweets that he put out. Well, he's good on 99% of the issues. It's right. just he, his timing and reading the room and understanding what's relevant just misses like all the time yeah so um, if you if, if you'd want to abolish the libertarian party or make like 100 percent of people think it's relevant you're saying we should probably run justin amash and joe jorgensen yes <laughs> <laughs> that would be the perfect ticket to have absolutely zero context and completely sink the ship and i'll preface it or well add this on there too i think they're both great libertarians and they're solid on everything that we care about but like when it comes to resonating with people or talking to people they're just dog shit <laughs> yeah you know? justin amash is never a guy that i've gotten behind mm -hmm. um i i've just never found myself listening to him and going oh yeah i like this guy he just comes across as unlikable mm -hmm. and that, that, that's i mean it, it just I don't know. Like, and it's too bad because he should be what we're looking for, right? Like he has a great voting record. He knows how yeah. the government works and everything. Yeah. Like he should be the guy. He just has no personality. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta have someone. Like that's why I like Thomas Massey. He makes yes. me laugh. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he's and he, funny. He understands the importance of the moment, you know, and what yeah. he's getting behind. And Justin just doesn't so well so real quick I want to throw this out here and we could probably wrap after this um I don't want to particularly put anybody on the spot but uh when you look at 2020 and you saw how Trump treated Thomas Massey um I'm just kind of reaching for thoughts here from other people um I lost a lot of faith in the GOP and I thought the GOP was getting a lot worse because when you have one, like the dude who's probably the best Republican up there other than maybe Rand Paul, um, when he's doing nah, he's better than Rand Paul. <laughs> okay. Yeah, actually to, yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree. Um, when you have Donald Trump saying uh, Thomas Massey should be thrown out of the GOP 
for opposing socialist spending like spending like drunken fucking sailors um i feel like we should say well donald trump should not be part of the gop anymore when he's willing to throw out probably one of the greatest people on every single issue in the gop um now obviously this entire show i've said if you think your greatest way to liberty is go through the gop i support that but um i feel like some people are a little bit too partisan on Trump, even amongst libertarians. And they're not willing to say, okay, well, he like really fucked up here. And, you know, if we're going to move forward with the GOP, then 2024, I really think that we need to do everything we can to kind of push Trump out of the way, just because in 2020, it was such a great failure when there was such a moment to do something great and he really squandered every last little political capital that he personally had with me. And I think he had with his base, but it seems like a lot of people don't look at it that way. Um, just kind of thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I think we can't make everyone libertarian, like the whole idea. Yeah. Oh, everyone's libertarian. They just don't know it yet. I think that's bullshit, but let's at least make the America first movement, America first, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? And <laughs> um, I I think it would take, I mean, I think Trump is probably going to run, but yeah. I think he's alienated a lot of people who liked him. I mean, that's been my experience and not on Twitter, just like people I know, Yeah, they like what he represented, but not who he was like they, they saw him stab them in the back. So I don't know who that would be like, I don't know, but I think, yeah, I think it's a mistake to re-embrace Trump. I don't think it gets us anywhere. I think, um, I don't know, like my, it's funny, my opinion on January 6th and Trump are basically the same. It's the opposite of the corporate press. Like the corporate (laughs) press thinks both of those things were the biggest threat (laughs) to democracy and to the United States ever. And to me, they were just like blatant disappointments. It's like, really? That's all you got? Like, that's the best you could do? (laughs) So... I think the America first movement, like, I mean, I disagree with the America first crowd on some things, but a genuine America first crowd, not an Israel first, Saudi Arabia, second America, third crowd would be a huge improvement. So I don't know who that would be, but yeah, I think they should find someone better. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like um, Marjorie, (coughs) Matt Gates, Thomas Mm -hmm. Massey. I like a lot of those guys and I'll completely agree that the GOP is improving in that respect. But um, I think if they're going to fall behind Trump, my problem is, is that are they going to be willing to take a stand when he's not good on things? Because personally, I don't think they will, but I would love to be wrong. I'm only doing this because I've done it. I predict this since the last six months, maybe a year. Mm-hmm. I still think it's going to be Tucker in 2024. That'll be an upgrade, probably, by the way. Probably yes. with, Can- with Candace Owens is my guess. Um, I wouldn't go bet money in Vegas on this, but mm-hmm. I just have this gut feeling it's going to be them too. By the way, have you seen Candace Owens' tweets lately? They've been incredible about NATO yes. and about yep. Russia. Uh, I'm like, yep. if you and told me that time- two years ago, I would have not believed you. <laughs> And every yeah. time she goes on Tucker, it feels like she's been practicing for a push rightward and 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 bigger, onward, upward, and rightward. And it seems she's become more articulate and f- she's real fired up now about, it just seems, I don't know, I just feel this and I could see at some point 
Fox turning back to some neoconism and Tucker breaking away and then running. Just a guess. I could completely be wrong. I know that, but very interesting guess. That is the America first ticket that the America first crowd deserves. I think like that would that. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I think so little about federal politics. I honestly, (laughs) I just don't, I don't think about these people. I try not to give them any of my time. That's why I like said, right. As Reed started talking, I was like, this is a waste of time because I, I just, I, I think, well, people put so much, like they, they put so much into it. They just, and, and it's like, okay, why are you investing so much into people that don't give a fuck about you? You're just pawns on a chessboard as far as they're concerned. Mm-hmm. You're little worker ants producing tax revenue so that they can ha- ha- make an easy buck while ruling over people and bombing children. Right. So I, I really think people need to stop investing as much time and energy into federal politics and focus locally. I, I that's just, that's my entire take. Yeah. I don't yeah. care who they run because I'm pretty sure they're going to be bombing people. I wish they weren't bombing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, everybody on this uh, panel agrees. Um, yeah. I, I, I do agree that it matters more locally, but yes, even though I don't think, anyone that I like is ever going to win the presidency. I think there's a lot of utility in Ron Paul's 2012 run. Like it's undeniable that that changed a lot of people, including me later on. I just didn't know it at the time. Um, But then like Tulsi Gabbard's run or Bernie Sanders run or anybody's run, like they definitely change the minds of millions of people or get people on a certain track. So I think there's still utility to running people, but my, philosophy of trying to get someone in there who's gonna you know dismantle it from the top down is completely gone yeah Yeah, and that's that's probably my elitist take because i i i see these people like i i like dave smith a lot and like i think he would be a great like presidential candidate like i don't have any issues with that Hmm. i'm not under any delusion that he's going to be allowed to win if he even gets close he is going to find himself on the wrong side of a jet accident. You know, mm-hmm. like it's convertible it's just, car ride down through Dallas. Exactly. It's <laughs> they'll like, just unperson him. Like they did RT. Like it's not, I mean, if they can yeah. do that to RT, they can do it to yeah. him. Oh, they I mean, to. they'll take, they'll, they'll freeze his banking. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've expressed this many times. I'm worried about what happens to him. If he actually does make any sort of impact. The, but the fact of the matter is, is I, I get that these people can change normies minds. I just don't believe they can change enough normies minds. And so therefore I just don't get wrapped up in it. I'm just mm-hmm. like, all right, like whatever. Cause this is a popularity contest and whoever has the most money to buy fame wins. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we've been going for probably about an hour and 45. I want to say, um, guess we'll go ahead and wrap here everybody uh give your plugs and we'll get rock and rolling out of here um tommy good (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can find me at the libertarian institute uh years uh libertarian institute.org forward slash year dash zero that's where you can find my podcast um i'll be at childeberg this year um so come on out to childeberg and we'll be hanging out 
Um, I know a lot of people are going to be there that even if you don't want to meet my dumb ass, you can meet all these other great people. And I usually have a lot of fun with them. So, yeah, come out to Childerberg and go to libertarianinstitute.org. Cool. Buck? Uh, Counterflow Podcast, uh, counterflowpodcast.com, at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, at Buck Rebel, B-U-C-K-R-E-B-E-L. And uh, I guess, yeah, I will be at Childerberg as well. So, like he said, if you don't want to hang with his dumbass, um, there will be plenty of other people out there. I'm just joking with Tommy. We have fun out at Childerberg. <laughs> and uh, I think I'll be at the actual campground staying overnight. I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about that. And, uh, yeah, maybe there's going to be some some, uh, some good, good fun. Let, we'll leave it at that. It's going to be fun. That that is evidence of what I've always said about Buck is he's like one of these types of people you can never get angry at. He can call <laughs> me a dumbass all day long. And I'll just grin. Yeah. <laughs> all right, our uh, our favorite Zion. He does it so smoothly. Oh. It's like so smooth. It's like I'm Buck Johnson, he, the dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our favorite Zionist down there, uh, Reed. Where can everybody find you? <laughs> yeah i'm the naturalist capitalist podcast on youtube odyssey spotify uh apple podcasts and then reed coverdale everywhere else on you know twitter gab getter float all that uh instagram and yeah I'm, I'm glad we did this i actually can say i do like and respect everyone here which doesn't go for <laughs> everyone in the liberty movement but this is, this is good i uh, glad you glad we did this i do uh, i like all you guys so let's let's do something like this again for yeah. sure i would absolutely yeah. love to maybe uh we'll uh, set up maybe a couple months from now and just kind of rehash some uh, current events and just shoot the shit so uh um all right everybody until next time take care without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done